I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I want, want to be close to Jesus this morning. I, I, I don't want to just feel distant this morning, but I want God to do something in our midst. Is that okay? Well, I want us to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And I have a few scriptures, but, but we'll go, th- go through these first. And um, I, I appreciate this church. I feel like an evangelist. I don't get to come here on Sunday mornings. I'm normally stuck over there, so that was a joke. Okay, I know you guys are laughing this morning. Praise God. There went my whole sermon. So, just kidding. And I noticed I had three young people still saved. I'm so glad for young people who are saved. Now the backsliders will have to uh, pray those back through tonight. We'll have to get them back in the front row. That's right. That's, that's why we do that right there. We only let them go so far before we have to pull them back or grab them by the ear and yank them down to the front and get them saved, right? In Jesus' name. Well, I've had a good week, and I love July 4th. It's one of my favorite, favorite holidays of the year next to Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful, but I'm also, it's because I can be thankful that I live in a country where I'm free. And I, I, I try to teach my kids that you don't understand the privilege that you have living in this country. Not all countries are like this. You are forced to participate in specific religions, and you are forced to only, if you were in China, you could only have so many kids. It is the law. Uh, th- these are things that um, you cannot argue with. The, the, it, democracy is a wonderful thing. Even if you don't think your voice is heard, you still have your rights, and you still are able to practice your rights, and you're still able to live in a great country. And I I love the 4th of July, and appreciate Brother Fox um, opening his home last night. That was a spectacular fireworks show that we saw, and uh, they probably spent five or $10,000 on that, I'd say. I, I mean, it went on for 45 minutes, and I thought, wow, I wish I had that money. That's what I was thinking. I'd take, I'd take away the fireworks show, give me that money, and we'd be all right, all right? <laughs> In Jesus' name. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going we're gonna to preach this morning about a mountaintop experience. A mountaintop experience, if you'd preach with me. Um, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. In Jesus' name. Let's just pray for a minute and ask God to open our hearts and be with us this morning. Jesus, we love you. We exalt your name above every name, Jesus. We love you so much. Ask you this morning, Jesus, to touch our hearts and our lives, God, to be with us, Jesus. Lord, I pray that revelation and inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God, will flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Everybody said hallelujah. My, my poor wife, my poor pregnant wife back there is just having a time with this, this baby. She's ready to, to have it, and she's not even hardly through her second trimester yet. So you guys keep her in your prayers. So here Moses is, and this is amazing because we, we talk about the burning bush experience a lot. We talk about 
uh, um, how it was. But what we don't understand, we don't think about is the fact that there was a journey to that point. Moses just didn't simply see a burning bush. He went on a journey. He went to the mountain of God. So there was... There was some, a place that he was walking in. There was a journey that he was taking. He went to the place where he could find God. And a lot of times we don't look at that. We just say, oh, Moses was wandering around and behold, a burning bush. No, it says that, that he, he left or he kept the flock of Jethro and, and, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. So he came to this place where God dwelt and it's very difficult in this day and age to find the presence of God if you're not in the church. It is very difficult to, to have the voice or to hear the voice of God if you're not in the church. And, and that's why the church exists today is because the very presence and the essence of God dwells within the church. Within, it's always dwelt within a temple. I know that we are the church. We are the body. We all make up uh, the church, but when we come together in unity, that is when the presence of God comes down. And Moses was in this um, Moses was in this state where I believe that he was not content with where he was. He had lived in Egypt. He had saw the great things, and he had been taught a lesson in uh, running off after he had killed an Egyptian. But there was a day in his life where he decided, I'm no longer going to be content with where I'm at. I'm going to go find God. I'm going to take a journey, and I'm going to find Him. I, I, it doesn't matter how tough that journey is. I don't, I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going to take whatever I have. Now, notice he didn't just leave his responsibilities to find God. He did not stop doing what he knew to do. But he walked with whatever he had to do. He kept that flock, and he made it to the mountain of God, and, and, and he never gave up on what he was supposed to do. Now, some of us... Some of us think that we're called to be preachers or evangelists or teachers and we stop doing the little things that we're supposed to do in order to pursue the presence of God. But, but Brother Bob, no offense to anybody in here, but if you can't clean a toilet or you can't help outreach on Saturday or, or if you can't pray for the church and the ministry, if those things are beneath you, then you are not called of God. Because your mentality is not of God. <laughs> Believe it or not, the higher you go in ministry, the less you become. You are more of a servant. You, the authority may rest on you, but the responsibility also rests on you. So if, if I'm here preaching on a Sunday morning and I ask Brother Clark to take care of Sunday school and for some reason his children get sick and he isn't able to, guess whose responsibility it is? It's mine. And so I bring him in the sanctuary. Just kidding. He really wasn't supposed to preach this morning. I was. So. But the thing about it is, the thing about it is, is you have to understand Moses was on a journey and he wanted to find the presence of God. Now, I believe that everyone can remember that day when a supernatural experience occurred in your life. And it changed you, uh, who you are. It absolutely just changed your mentality. God got a hold of you to a point where, where you would never be the same again. There's no way that you could ever go back to the way that you were. The path that you were walking on completely changed. 
It, it just changed everybody. Is anybody with me? Do you remember that day when God just changed you? You remember it. It was supernatural. It was amazing. Now you look at men in the Bible like Paul, and his life was radically changed on the road to Damascus. He was doing what he thought was just and right by killing Christians. He thought that he was avenging God, that this was the correct thing to do. He was doing it with all of his heart and his might. But all of a sudden on the road to Damascus, Jesus speaks to him from heaven. And, and can I just mention something? Jesus is on earth, and there's a voice that comes from heaven. But when Jesus ascends, it's Jesus' voice that comes from heaven. So whenever there was a transfer in power, the voice from heaven changed. Jesus, the man, died, and Jesus, the God, began to live. Amen? Just, just for those of you who think there is no New Testament scripture where Jesus does not, or after Jesus is crucified, where he's not the one speaking. All right, enough on oneness. Here we go. But Paul's life was radically changed on that road, and Jesus himself created an experience that would change, change Paul at the very core, the very mentality that he had, so much so that his identity changed from Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle. There was a time in our life where who we were changed, our identity changed. Now God does not just do this one time. God changes us over and over and over. But these experiences in our lives are what I refer to as a mountaintop experience. It is an experience in which you are close to God. And there is always a point in which you begin your journey. And what is so amazing about that is that you were in a valley surrounded on all sides with no way out until an intercessor came along and began to pray for you. And you begin to find your way to God. It's a mountaintop experience. You're walking around by yourself in the middle of a sinful world and somebody gets on their face and begins to pray and they begin to intercede for you. And, and somehow you make it into the presence of God. And in that moment, in that, in that instance, you change and your life changes because you're with Him. And you're, when you are with Jesus, everything looks different. Have you ever really thought about the rapture? Have you ever sat down, Brother Manley, and just thought that in this decade, the rapture is going to... It is prophesied that in this decade, not one generation shall pass for, um, for the Son of Man to come since Israel became a nation. 1948, it became a nation again. That was 1,948 years after Jesus' birth. Let me give you a little, pro a little prophetic stuff here. Abraham was born 1,948 years after creation. The nation of Israel was born 1,948 years, 1948. And then it was regrouped in 1948. That is just neat. And a, a biblical generation is 70 years. 70 years from 1948 is 2018. It says not even one generation is going to pass till the Son of Man comes. All these things are going to be fulfilled. The rapture is going to occur. Have you ever sought, have you just stopped and, and thought about all this stuff I'm dealing with? It's so small when I think about the rapture. When I think that Jesus could split that sky and every problem and every trial 
And every issue is just going to go away. And I'm going to be with Jesus forevermore. I'm never going to have to deal with it again. It's so amazing to think, but you have to think on a bigger level. You can't think about just this small little thing that's happening right now or that one person who said something about you that you didn't like. That's not important. What's important is that I live a pleasing life to God, that that day will come when those eastern skies split and Jesus will take me up in the air. That's what's important this morning. That's what's important tomorrow. That's what's important next week. Nothing else really matters but that I go to heaven. It's a supernatural experience. I'm telling you, those of you that are called to intercession need to begin to intercede because there are so many lives around us in today that will come to God. You can do all the outreach you want. You can build all the relationships you want. But until you get down on your face and begin to pray for them in a supernatural way with you and God, and you begin to connect their spirit to God's spirit, it is not until that point that God will begin to draw them. He's waiting for intercessors. Don't think that intercession is such a, such a super spiritual thing, Brother McFall. It's not. Intercession is simply getting down on your face and beginning to plea for the soul of someone. You don't have to speak in 40 different tongues to intercede for someone. Just get down and begin to say their name. Begin to plead for their life. Begin to do something in the Spirit that says, Jesus, I don't want them lost. I don't want them to go to hell, God. I don't want them to continue to go through the things that they're going through. But I want to see them saved, God. So somehow, some way, I pray that you get down or that you touch their heart and you draw them to an apostolic altar. There's got to be something in our spirit. There's got to be a fire in our heart. There has to be something that says, I want my family saved. I'm not willing to look at them in the condition they are. But it takes a mountaintop experience. Because... There are valleys that you go through, and these valleys that you go through are tough, and they're hard, and they're strenuous, and they're tireful, and you feel worn out. And that's why the Scripture says that don't get weary in well-doing. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't give up when you're continuing to go on. It, it may feel like God's a million miles away, but don't, don't quit. Just keep on going. Keep on walking. A person will go through several mountaintop experiences on their journey of their lives. You cannot simply think about right here and now. You must look at your life as the entire life of where I was when I was a child, a teenager, a young adult, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Look at it all. Look at where you were. Look at where you are now and know that God has changed you. That you are not the person that you used to be. Though you may deal with some of the same things. And I think this is what we get weary with. We deal with the same problems over and over again in our nature. Uh, it, it just It's hard to change our nature and so it's so easy when you're on the mountaintop to make that commitment to God that you're going to change your nature but then when you're in the valley struggling and that problem arises it's right then and there that you feel like that very nature takes back a hold on you and you begin to try to do it your way because you don't see how you're ever going to get out but don't don't forget your first experience don't forget the mountaintop because that first experience is always life-changing. And sometimes people live simply to experience the mountain. 
However, you, you, I mean, we live simply. We think that we belong on the mountaintop. Like we should never leave the mountaintop. That that's exactly where we belong. We, we, it's like being one of those great men of wisdom where you make a journey up there, you know, and, and, and all the, the, the tough things you go through. I'm sure you've seen that movie before. And, and here's the ancient Chinese man, Chinese man sitting at the top of the mountain. He never leaves. He's sitting there in the, in the little Buddha-like uh, position and, oh, I want to know all wisdom. Brother Neil knows what I'm talking about here. He's seen that movie. You know, and the man says, life is hard. Drink lemonade. All the things you went through to go up and hear that. What? Are you kidding me? That's all I get. It's difficult. We don't belong. You, you see, we don't belong always on the mountaintop. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the first experience is always life-changing. And sometimes we, we just don't realize we don't belong on the mountain. Those experiences are to help us get down to the valley because in the valley is where everybody else is. It's where everybody else is. We are not to live above them. Scripture says that we are supposed to be uh, in the world, but not of the world. I'll prove it to you later. Let me go on. However, our, jo- our journey is not one of a solitary place. God did not um, try to put us in one location, but rather He said to reach the lost and to somehow stand in the gap between God and sinners. And He didn't call us to simply exist with Him on a mountain, but He called us to carry our cross through a valley. He called us to be like Him and to do the things that He did. But He was not always on the mountain because God Himself came down from the very mountain, the extreme mountain, the mountain of heaven, and came down into the valley called earth. And He robed Himself in flesh and says, nobody else can do this job, but I'm going to have to be the one to go down to the valley. I'm going to show Him what it's like to go through the valley. I'm going to show Him how you can make it through the valley and you can carry your cross through the valley and you don't have to be detoured by by all the sin and all the sickness and all the pain. You can make it through because there's power in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to give them fire. And that fire is going to sustain them. And that, that sustaining is going to take them to where they need to be. In our journey, there will always be times where you find yourself on the mountain. But the mountaintop is considerably small compared to the valleys and slopes that are in between each mountain. And so, when you first start on the mountaintop, and, and you may start with some small mountains, but as your life goes on, and as you progress, there are larger valleys, there are bigger slopes, there are harder obstacles. Because the next mountaintop is so much sweeter. You cannot... Expect living for God to be supernatural every single day. I think we're supposed, we feel like we're supposed to wake up in a supernatural cloud. Wake up speaking in tongues every morning. Well, I'm sorry, there are times where I wake up speaking in tongues and the presence of God is all around me. But there are more times when I wake up and I need coffee to save me. There is a whole lot more times where Tylenol and a cup of coffee is the only thing that's getting me through this day. And so you ought to understand that that we are not 
are the experiences of the mountaintop, that, that Sunday night experience where God's moving um, and, and just, just going, and he's going crazy, and we're going nuts, and, and Brother D- Jonathan Davis is over here looking like a, uh, a bobblehead just popping up and down and going, going crazy. He's just worshiping God with all of his might. He's not even aware of what's going on. He's just, he's just in it. That doesn't happen every day. Because on Monday, you've got to descend the mountain. And you've got to walk in the valley. And... But I'm a, you look at Noah's life. Noah lived in an entire world where everyone lived in the valley. I mean, they lived below the valley. They dug themselves a pit in hell, and that's where they lived. And he was the only man that could find grace. He was the only one that could find grace. But his supernatural experience was one event. Hey, Noah, build an ark. You're kidding. The supernatural experience that, you, that I'm having is that I have to build something? Hey, church, build a church. What do you mean? I have to work at this? God did not come down and begin to build that ark for him. He said, I'll tell you how to do it. I'll tell you exactly how long it needs to be. I'll tell you where the window needs to be placed. I'll tell you how many of them. I'll give you the length of it, the breadth of it, the height of it. But you got to get your hands dirty. you got to get down there and you got to build that ark yourself, Noah, because I'm giving you a supernatural experience. But based on that supernatural experience, you have to do something. But we don't want to do something in this day and age. We are content with a supernatural experience to supernatural experience. We seek after signs instead of seeking after the presence of God. And if we are in the presence of God and He says, I want you to go preach on the corner, then go preach on the corner. If He says, I want you to help do something in the church, then go help do something in the church. Moses had an amazing supernatural event that changed the course of his life. But guess what? He had to go back and face his demons and work to get the children of Israel out. I'm going somewhere. See, without the valley, the mountaintop wouldn't be so grand. My God. We go through problems, Sister Roxanne, and what do we do? Sister Roxanne calls Brother Charles Davis. Brother Davis, please pray for me. I'm going through the valley. I'm going through the valley. Glad to see our young people have increased to five. We now have five saved. Every time we have to go through a hardship, please pray for me. This is so bad. It's so difficult. Honey, I don't mean to be mean, and I'm not saying the church shouldn't pray for each other, but get down on your face and find God and let Him deal with your issues and your problems because none of us can help you. We can coach you. We can encourage you. We can love you. We can keep your eye on the goal. But the truth of the matter is I can't change your situation. As much as I do, it's what God is wanting you to go through. It's the valley He has designed for you. 
You don't understand. Without the pain of the valley, then the joy of the Lord wouldn't be so great. Without the trials and tribulation, the presence of God wouldn't be so sweet. Without this life we, we live, heaven wouldn't sound so good. It just wouldn't. And here is the understanding that we need right now. That you can never simply stop in a valley and decide that it's too hard. You cannot ever stop, or you cannot ever... <coughs> excuse me. I, re- I miswrote that sentence. You, can, you cannot ever get to the point where you think there is no way to get up to the next mountaintop. You can never in your mind lose faith, no matter how hard it is. Because the moment that you believe you are defeated, you will be defeated. Because faith is the thing that we must keep alive. No matter what happens in our lives, we must have faith that we will see another miracle. That we will make it to the next place in which we feel so close to God again. I don't care if it's been a month since you felt God. Or ten months since you felt God. Or a year or ten years since you felt God. There will be a place. There will be another mountaintop as long as you keep going. Come on, somebody give a hand clap to Jesus. There are some of us in here today that feel like they have been stripped of their spirituality when in fact you haven't. It's just waiting for you on the next mountaintop. And when you reach it, you'll never take it for granted again. You'll never take, I'm telling you, when you finally get there, you'll never, you, you'll realize how, how great that journey was, how, how awesome that battle was, and then you can turn around and you can, can encourage somebody else that said, it may seem hard, but don't stop. It, it, it may seem tough, but don't give up. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. I've kept on walking, and look what I did. I made it to the next level. I made it to the next mountaintop. Oh. When you come to the understanding that there are mountaintops and valleys that you must walk through, you will understand that the situations in your life that keep on coming are not there to beat you down, but they are there to prove your faith. We look at situations in negative connotation because... I bet you liked that sentence, didn't you? He likes big words. How... Yes, I know what it means. We do. We look at situations in negative, in negative ways. We're completely pessimistic. If we look at this, we go, well, it's not all the way full. But look how much you have. Look at what you got. Don't give up. Listen, uh, I think Pastor told me this once that, that um, most marriages that end in divorce end because... Say, say there's a married couple. You have, and the person that you're married to completes about 80% of what your needs are as a, as a man or a woman. 80% of what your needs are, they meet. But because you don't have 20%, you'll divorce them and go find somebody that'll have the 20%. And then 20% that you wanted are fulfilled, but now you don't have the 80%. And then your life just goes down in turmoil because you needed that 80% to sustain you. And that's how we are in the church. We're the same way. We have 80% of everything we need right here. The other 20%, you know, maybe it's not right here. Maybe we haven't met it there. But everything we need. And we'll leave the church going to find the 20% when you've got to understand the 20% is on the mountaintop. 
It's not in the valley somewhere. You'll never find it wandering around down in the valley. It's not there. The 20% is the presence of God. And yes, it's not constantly with us. No, I don't see it or feel it every single day. But there are those times when that 20% is met completely when I'm in, in the presence of God. And I would not give anything to change that. We try to fill that. We try to fill the presence of God with entertainment. We try to fill that void that we have and that need for that presence of God with lifestyle things that we do, with, with hobbies that we may have. But the truth is, we need to get a hobby of prayer. We need to have a hobby of reading the Bible and knowing His Word. That's what our hobbies need to be. <laughs> Let me prove to you that the valleys are meant to prove your faith. So go to James chapter 1, verse 2-4. through 4. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It's behind me if you need it. It says this, Consider it wholly joyful. This is in the Amplified too. Um, My brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Wait a second, what do you mean? It says count it joy when you go and you fall into temptations. It doesn't say when you're tempted. It says when you fall into temptations. Various temptations or encounter trials, hard things, difficult points in your life. Count it joy. Consider it joyful. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be a, a people that are perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. You're put in the valley to be perfected. You're put in the valley to be perfected. You're put in the valley so that when the trials come, you can have the faith that you need to overcome the obstacle that, that is encountering you. Go to Exodus 19, uh, verse 3 through 6. Okay, I want you to think about this. Moses, here he is on his journey. Goes in to rescue the children of Israel. He has to stand before Egypt, the, the Egyptian Pharaoh, say, let my people go, and he don't have anything. He don't have an army. He, he don't have anything that's going to help him in this task. He has to walk up on pure faith. Now, let me tell you something. He was on the mountaintop, Brother Manley, when he was at the burning bush. But when he stood before Pharaoh, he was at the lowest point of the valley. And the miracles that happened in his life up to this point, there were more miracles that took place in the valley than there were ever on the mountaintop. Let me tell you something. The mountaintop is, is built to equip you for the valley because in the valley is where the miracles will occur. Miracles will happen on the mountaintop in the presence of God. But those miracles are there to equip you so that you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. So you can t- tell somebody that's dead to live. That's why it's there. Exodus 19. Verse 3 through 6. Now think about all that he's went through. I mean, you're talking about 
Just everything. It's been a trial. It's been tough. It's been enduring. He's had to lead them through, a, you know, uh, across the Red Sea. A um, lot of victorious things. He's now walking around in the wilderness. He's trying to lead a million plus people with, with nothing but faith. I mean, he is walking in the valley. Extremely walking in the valley. And it says this, And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him out of the mountain and say this to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice in truth and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure from among and above all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, consecrated, set apart to the worship of God. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. And here he has another encounter with Jehovah, God Almighty. What an amazing thing if if God brought us to a place and spoke to that. We would run in here on a Sunday night and say, you don't understand what God said. Brother Jonathan, Trevor, you don't understand what God said. He said, if you'll just heed His words, if you'll just obey His commands, you'll be a holy nation. You'll You'll be a priest to Him. That the whole world is His. And we can be priests with Him. And you'll scream it. And then you'll be just like Moses. And watch the children of Israel disobey. And you'll be going through another valley. Because the truth of it is, is everyone needs their own mountaintop experience. Even though I might have the greatest mountaintop experience that's ever been conceived. Not that I have. But maybe it happens to me. And I shout it from the rooftops. And I preach it. It still takes faith to believe it. And we lack faith. As much as we say we believe in God, faith is not simply believing in God. It is knowing completely and truthfully that if I walk over and pray for you, that something's going to happen. It's believing it so, so much that if something does not occur, then you are astounded. You are astonished. Astounded and astonished was the two words I put together. You're completely, why not? I don't understand. God, I had faith. Now, I'm not talking about your own intuition. I'm talking about working in the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't happen until you've been on the mountaintop. Those are the experiences that prepare you to see the miracles. Think about everything that Moses had went through. And here he gets another word from God on the mountaintop. And that experience sustained him. But not all the children of Israel. Um... Listen, and that's a tough place to be. How many of you, how many of you have somebody in your life who you, you've talked to them and you, you've said, you know, I, I really want you to come to church. I really want you to experience what I've experienced. And they just refuse. And it doesn't matter if somebody was raised from the dead, someone got out of a wheelchair. It don't matter how cool it, it was. They're like, nah. Everybody, anybody with me? Anybody got somebody in your life like that? Nobody? Okay, one, two, thank you for somebody. The rest of you, why aren't they here? Just wondering. But I'm going to prove to you real quick, and and I'm going to prove to you real quick that, um, that God puts us in the valley to show us how to use our faith. 
Anybody believe that? God, he puts us in the trials and tribulations of our lives to show us how to use your faith. Uh, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 10. It says, <clears throat> it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. I'm going to prove to you that God puts us in the valley to prove our faith. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. It was full of nothingness. It was full of dead things. It was full of nothing there able to, to sustain me or help me. He puts us in the middle of nothingness so that you can begin to speak faith out and create Things. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. God wants to know if you will speak faith. He wants to know if you'll speak to a situation. Uh, I'm going to go on. I'm going to read all the way through verse 10. And behold, there, was, there were very many in the open valley. This is, this is full of bones. And it says, And lo, they, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Now he's a smart man. He, he, this isn't based on his own knowledge. This is based on him saying, you know what? I, I know God can do anything, and so you tell me, can they live? I, 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 I can't do it with my own power, but I know you can do anything. So you tell me, God, can they live? Um. He said, Thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay uh, sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and, I, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together. This just reminds me of what Jesus said. These signs shall follow them that believe. When God tells us to do something, we got to believe that it's the right thing. And we got to say, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to. I don't care if it looks like a mess. I don't care how dead the situation looks. I don't care how bad they are and how lost they are. I'm going to begin to speak what you tell me to speak, God. <laughs> because signs follow them that truly believe. Oh. And it says, so he prophesied, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. It would be nothing like seeing a miracle almost completed, but never finished. And if you ever get to that point, don't stop, don't give up. He could have quit right at this point. He could have said, wow, that was amazing. You took, you took dead, dry bones and, and you put flesh on them and you put muscles and veins and now they're just laying here and there's, there's hundreds and thousands of them, but they're not living. Did you ever think this is, this is representatory of saints who may came in the, come in the church but never really get it? You can't give up on them just because they are born. They have to breathe. They have to live. They have to have life. Then... 
He said unto me, prophesy unto them. Uh, uh, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Ezekiel walked down into the, into the valley, or God took him into a valley, in the midst of a valley, And he put him there for a specific purpose. He said, let's see what your faith is like. Because you may be on the mountaintop with me, and your faith is great because you can feel my presence. But what about, Sister Cook, when you can't feel me? What about when I feel like I'm far away? Will you do what I tell you to do? Now begin to prophesy to these bones. I can only imagine that man standing right there. How silly he must have felt to look at a bunch of bones and say, Live! I mean, we feel silly when we walk up to someone who is not in church and try to tell them, we've got life. People, this is who we are. We cannot settle for anything less. We cannot be nervous when it's time to do the work of God. If God has said, go out and do this, then let's do it. Let's not not worry about the repercussions or the rejection that might happen. I'm going to tell you something. It's not your loss when they say no. It's their loss. We have the greatest thing on planet earth. This, this, this Holy Ghost that we have, there's nothing like it. If there was something else like it, you'd be somewhere else. But there's not. When you come into the presence, and I watched Sister Roxanne this morning run around and go stand back where the angel is, where it was prophesied. And she was saying, I don't care. It's Sunday morning. I want to be with the angel. I want to be with the presence of the Lord. I don't care if it's Wednesday night. I'm going to pray. I don't care if it's Sunday morning. I don't care if it's Sunday night. I want to be in the presence of God. It is through faith that we can turn any circumstance into the ability to fight for the kingdom of God. And I'm getting ready to close. And I want us to, this morning, I, I, I'm, I want you to help me this morning, because here in a minute we're going to speak faith into some situations. Uh, I, I'm not going to end with, oh, you're dismissed, go eat lunch. I want us to begin to speak. Here is, you, can, you can hear something, but the, the, you have to experience or do it yourself in order for it to be real to you. So we are going to do it as a congregation. Is that okay? Okay. And music, you can go ahead and come because we're going to get after this here in a minute. So I dare you to begin to speak into the situations of your life and prophesy unto them and say, this is what God wills me to say and therefore I will say it. And look at it and believe it with all your heart. When you begin to speak faith... You can watch God respond to your faith. He does not respond to lack of faith. He responds to somebody who looks at impossible odds and impossible situations and begins to speak into those things. He responds to someone that has faith. The journey we are on is an epic journey that we cannot judge based on tribulation or trials. You cannot judge your journey based on, on your tribulations or trials. Let me, let me prove it to you. Go to Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Acts chapter 14, verse 22 says, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much 
tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to go through the mess. If, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to go through every trial and every tribulation that comes your way. You've got to make it through. You've you got to keep going. You can't ever just give up. It is meant to help prove you and help you to get there. If you'll stand with me. If we are going to go to heaven, then we will go through much tribulation. But you can never give up. You can never lose faith because pure and unadulterated faith is faith that goes beyond reason. Regardless of the trial or the tribulation that you face, no matter how bad it may seem, even if it's death itself staring you in the face, it is faith that you can never lose out on. Because faith is what gets us to the mountaintop. The ultimate mountaintop experience will be when you don't have to climb that slope anymore. But all of a sudden, in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye, you will be changed and will you be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. You will go straight to the mountain of God and have the ultimate mountaintop experience. There will be nothing like it. In every single trial that you've ever had, you'll thank God for And all the tribulation you've endured, Pastor, you'll thank God for. Because you'll say, it's because of much tribulation that I want to go to be with Jesus. See, it's just not as pleasant when everything's nice and easy and it's, it's, it's going great. I don't really want God when everything's good and I've got all the money I need. But when it's tough and I don't know what's going to happen and I need God, that's when I reach out to Him. So I'm asking right now, and I know it's Sunday morning, but it's 11 o'clock. You've got 15 minutes before this service is over. I'm asking you to give me 15 minutes of prayer and prophecy into your situations. If you feel like, and and I'm asking you, if you feel like you have a situation that you need to begin to speak into, and you need to watch God do it because you can't, I want you to come to the front right now and just stand here for a minute. Pastor here in just one second is going to begin to pray the prayer of faith for me. And when he prays the prayer of faith, we're going to watch things change. Come on, anybody have a situation you need? I I want you to come up here boldly. I don't want you to stand back there. Come on, anybody have something you really need God to change? I want you to come up here. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Don't, Don't be scared. This is Sunday morning. I wish the whole church would come up here. I bet there's situations we all need. Come on, that's it. That's not everybody. I know there's some more. Come on, that's it. When you have situations, you have lost ones, you have loved ones that you know need to be in this church. Come on, that's it, that's it. You're feeling the prompting of God in your spirit. I'm telling you, God is going to do something absolutely amazing this morning. He is going to, you're going to watch miracles begin to happen in your life. That's it. I pray every one of them taps into the spirit, into the vein, God. Come on, that's it. I'm going to give this over to Pastor, and I want him to pray a prayer of faith over this congregation right now. In Jesus' name. Listen. Listen to me. Then we're going to... Uh, one of the key components of getting anything answered, we're going to speak faith into this group. And the key components is the fact that you will thank God and you will praise God for the answer. Even if you feel in your heart 
I still feel the same way. You thank God anyway because that change can happen between here and the back door. A change can happen even if it's later on in the day, but the change can happen. It can. But it's important. It's imperative. And I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I know, there's just, I know some of your situations. I know some of what you're asking uh, God for. Some of you have been in this these same situation for a long time. You've been through your, your valley. You, you're stuck there. And you're tired of being stuck in that same situation. You're weary of it. It's wearing you down. And the thing is that the devil, he, he may have got you into it, but right now you're just recycling the thing over and over and over again because you feel like you're never going to come out of it, but you will come out of it. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, and the Word of God has come forth here already this morning. So right now, with hands uplifted in my mind completely on Jesus Christ, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I release the gift of faith over this group right here that's in front of me. I release it, Lord, that their faith will grow beyond anything they could have ever thought was possible. That, Lord, they're going to see your hand and what has occurred in their lives. And they're going to see, Lord, you're going to give them a vision of where they're going. And you're going to give them a vision of the light that it's the end of the tunnel. That the answer is truly on the way. The answer is not just on the way, but the answer is within grasp. God, that they're going to grasp that answer here this morning. And they're going to give you the praise for what you are doing now in their life, right now, give Him praise and glory. Give Him praise and glory. If you feel it in your heart, to give me a witness, and that witness so simply believe God has done it for me. That's all you have to say. If you really feel it, has God done it for you? He's done it for you. Anybody else? God, just speak it. God has done it for you. 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 God has done it. Come on. That's it. Believe that. Believe that. Now hang on to that. God has done it. God has done this. Whoa, man, I feel a Holy Ghost right now. I, I feel I feel like I am being bathed in it right now. The God has poured out something on this group of people. This was well within order this morning. Thank God. Thank you, Brother Sebastian. That was well within order. God has done it because you, you, we under, we, we've been, and you know, a church that's it's going somewhere is always under attack. We know that. That's just part of it. But along with everything else, it just seems like there's been a, it's been piled on and piled on stupid things. There have been a lot of, and that's just my way of defining it, stupid things that have happened that they really don't amount to anything, but we're taking it wrong. But we're not going to take it wrong anymore because we've got clarity of mind. We've got clarity of sight. We can see what Jesus Christ is doing. How he's opening some doors in our lives that this tribulation doesn't have to last. Doesn't have to last. Brother Gillespie, it's not going to last anymore. It's going to quit. It's going to get, God is done. And you've got to believe that with all your heart. 
You've got to get back to that place of, of, of understanding and love for Jesus Christ like you've never had it before. Get back and then go beyond. I, I think sometimes we look to go beyond, but sometimes, and I say this for myself, I say now, I used to say, God, I want to go beyond what I was. But now I say, God, get me back there so that I can use it as a springboard then to go further. To go further. We need that. All of us need that. I hate to say it, but sometimes it's a truth. We, we, we serve God and we get into a, a, a place of, and, and this is a bad word to use, but boredom. You, you just get used to doing the same thing over and over and over again. You get used to coming down the front and praying the same prayer. And you get bored. And you don't even think it's going to happen, but you know it's expected out of you. Don't do that anymore. Come down with a belief, yes, I can change. And thank God for the change that has happened. Thank God for the change that has happened. Oh, feels good. I'm going to preach tonight on what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with him? This came right off what you're doing. It's just, what are you going to do with him? What will I do with him? You know, so many times people just, you know, you get into the presence of God. Well, what in the world am I going to do now? What will I do next? Well, just sometimes the best thing to do is just get down and enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I've seen people before. I've done it myself. But I, I remember one particular time and I, I, uh, a man was, he was going through a really, really, really bad, and it was a bad, bad time for him. And uh, I would come into the church, and he'd be laying along the front. And he lay there for hours, hours. And you could just hear him moaning and groaning. And pray. But, you know, you know, I remember a time when the moaning and groaning stopped. And then it was praise that began to come out of it. He had to go through, and I don't know how many days and how many hours that he did that, until it finally broke. And when it broke and he began to worship and love God, then everything changed. Sometimes, folks, it doesn't happen in 15 minutes, doesn't happen in 5 years, doesn't happen in 10 years. But if you keep moaning and groaning long enough and know that I'm moaning and groaning is, God, I'm trying to find your presence, then when you get there and worship him, things all change. It really does. It really does. Turn and shake some people's hands. Tell them that you're behind them and praying for them and you love them. You love them. And I can't dismiss you to go eat, but I can dismiss you to go do whatever else, okay? <laughs> Lord bless you.